Happy Thursday and welcome to TRB Live, baby! That's right, we're here to talk to you about Star Wars and be nerds for about an hour live with you here on our YouTube channel, which by the way, we are three subscribers away from 2000, so hopefully we hit that on this episode, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, if anyone sees that that happens, let us know in the chat. But welcome to TRB Live. We have a really good show today. Maybe even a great show. We'll see how we do. Um, but uh, it's me, John, and I'm here with James and Lacey. As always, a uh, lot to talk about, guys. There's a ton of news coming out of that Empire piece. Uh, James is going to get us going on that in a bit. But we have a few other things to get to first. So I'm just going to fire them off. First of all, if you're watching us live, thank you. That's really cool. Thanks for taking a part of your Thursday nights to be with us. Make sure you do like the video and you are subscribed to the channel. And if you're on social media, tweet out, retweet, all that stuff. Bring people into the base. Let's make it a party. Uh, make Solo 2 happen day. A week. Uh, let's see. Less than two weeks now. It's on Tuesday, May 23rd. So... If you love Solo and you want to celebrate it, just use the hashtag all day, make Solo 2 happen, and we're going to have a good time celebrating that movie, hoping for more adventures, whether that's going to be through the Lando series or a Solo series, or who knows if they decide to maybe make a movie. We don't know, but it's all about continuing those adventures with Han and Chewie, and we're going to have a great time on Tuesday, May 23rd, for Make Solo 2 Happen Day. We'll see you on the internet. And hopefully uh, we have some fun. Um, next up, uh, guys, what do you think about Freddie Prince Jr.'s comments? Not only saying is he done with Kanan Jarrus, but that he had been done and just came back for those voice cameos and uh, the appearance in Bad Batch and Episode Nine as a favor almost. So, would you? So, James, I'll start with you. Your favorite Star Wars character, at uh, least um, that I most recently recollect you saying. Uh, what do you think about Freddie's comments? Um, that made sense to me. Uh, he he kind of said that he was done with the character, and I think that was because he really wanted to put a close on that uh, story and say, like, hey, if, if I did my thing in Star Wars, and, and if you want to go back and revisit that character, this is where it is. It's in Rebels, you know? And um, I was kind of surprised a little bit when he said he didn't want to do the thing at the end of the Star Wars movie. I thought, oh, well, that's a good a good little addition there. But mm -hmm. I'm not surprised by he, him not wanting to or he said he didn't want to return to the Bad Batch either, because um, I think there was a lot of like he sounded too old for the character. I think you could have easily just had somebody else do that voice, a younger person. Um, and uh, I, I think it's it's fine with him saying he's just kind of like says, guys, just let me, you know, let the character be that and just don't I don't want to come back and keep having to, to revisit this because every time he says every time you you know, do more with this character. It sort of takes away a little bit from what it was or it kind of okay. changes that. So I, I, I think he made sense and, um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And he, he said that he was on uh Christian Harloff show. So I got to give a shout out to him for uh, getting that info out of Freddie, which is cool. Uh, Lacey for all, well, first of all, uh, you had just notified us privately as well as some of the comments on here. We hit 2,000 subscribers. All right. We did. There it is. Yay, everyone. Well 98,000 well for me wearing a bikini, apparently, at Star Wars Celebration. So let's John get was those. trying to push like, oh, 500. I was like, you said 100. Don't. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't turn this around. I mean, that'd be pretty cool if we got 100,000 subscribers, though. So I'll proud, proudly wear it. I, I apologize in advance if that happens for the site that will be seen. But uh, Lacey, <laughs> what do you what do you think about? Um, first of all, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you helping us get that number. Yes. Lacey, what do you think? I know um, you you like Freddie Prince Jr., right? But what do you think about him saying like I've been? Freddie done, and man. I go back. We used yeah. to be coworkers. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a good guy. No, he's he's nice. He seems genuine. I think he's someone that has been very open about his Star Wars journey and his Star Wars knowledge and his opinions. Um, I mean, that clip goes viral like every couple months of him being like, you don't like Ray because she's a woman and like all this other stuff oh, and like right, off right, on that right. podcast. <laughs> I I don't blame him for not wanting to come back. He sees it as like. I did this thing. I treasure it. I value it. I loved being a part of it, but I don't want to Delude cheapen it. it. Yeah. yeah. So I completely understand it. And I understand that he came back as a favor. I'm sure Dave called him and was like, hey, man, can you please do this for me? Because it seems like from our conversation with Taylor Gray, like Taylor had conversations with Dave Filoni about that ending scene and why Ezra wasn't there. So um, I'm assuming Dave is the one that probably asked Ashley. He asked... Uh, Freddie Prince to come back so every, it seems like everybody says yes to Dave and I don't blame them because he seems awesome too so yeah yeah do you I, I it just makes me think because like Freddie Prince Jr. is like a big gamer and he does, he loves wrestling and stuff like it wouldn't shock he's me he's married to like, Buffy so he can do whatever he wants but it wouldn't shock me if he was like playing Halo while he recorded that line for Rise of Skywalker he's just like what do I have to say <laughs> he's like all right so yeah uh Ray rise through the force you know <laughs> okay now get out of here Matthew Wood Get out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, so that's it for Kanan. Unless, which I doubt, because he seems sincere, it's one of those mm -hmm. Liam Neeson scenarios, but I don't think it is. I think he's serious. Um, do you guys think he's serious? You don't think there's any chance it's a red herring? What if he was the best at selling it? Well, he loves selling. He's a wrestling fan. He loves yeah. selling. I think it depends, I don't think so. honestly, if Dave asks him. If it was a Dave call, I think he'd take it. Yeah. If it's a I, Kathy call or someone else call, I don't think he'd take it. But even then, but I think I, he's going to stand yeah. by what he said. Yeah, I think he's sincere too. Um, I don't think he would phrase it that way if he was really wanting to, like if he was really in the show and he was selling something, I mm -hmm. think he would just be like, I don't know, you know, it'd be cool, but they haven't talked to me, you know, or so he would do that. I don't know. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I, well, I definitely don't think he's coming back. So, uh, high-fiving his way out of the Star Wars galaxy is someone coming in, and that's Jaleel White, who of all places <laughs> was at an Edmonton Oilers game talking to the announcer between periods or before the game, I'm not really sure. He revealed that he's playing an alien pirate in Skeleton Crew, and he said the series comes out in November or December this year. He's getting a phone call, man. He got a phone call. He got you know an what email. That you know what that made me Something. think of, though? Because the guy was like, so what are you up to now? And that was probably like the biggest thing he's been doing. Because I haven't, yes. you know, I like him a lot. He seems like a nice guy. And I grew up watching Family Matters. You I know? love Family Matters. I used to, I had the doll with the pull string that do, would do mm -hmm. all the little catchphrases. I would pretend that was It was the was hot Urkel. thing on Friday night, Family yeah, Matters. Yeah, Urkel was the step best. Step-by-step, Full House, yeah. Boy Meets World. Stefan, Stefan. Oh, my God, um, Stefan. Yeah. What a, I mean, that show went like to fantasy land. But it was it, awesome. Yeah. But I like that uh, he's probably like, he didn't have a lot going on, but this big giant thing, he's like, you know what? 
I'm gonna. I have to answer this because I. What else am I gonna say? A commercial for Aflac? Like, I'm not saying he does a commercial for Aflac, but I'm saying like he did this big show. He's playing a, a villainous type of character. He went for it, and I love it. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys mm-hmm. think? I. <laughs> again, I worry for him because I'm afraid of the phone call that he got. That was like. What are you doing? But at the same time, I'm sure it's not that big of a role that they're going to be like, you're giving it away. And it's just seen as him being excited. Because mm-hmm. um, I see a lot of the side characters and the people that play the droids and stuff in Mando are constantly every week during Mando saying, oh, I did this and I did that and I did this. And it's just like a pride thing, which I totally understand. I'm just pumped to see these actors getting getting roles. And if he wants to tell me at a hockey game, Sure. <laughs> yeah i'm so yeah. pumped for you <laughs> yeah and thanks to um the twitter user who tagged us in that tweet to notify us this morning uh fifa las vegas 17 so thank you so much <laughs> what a great name fifa las vegas <laughs> soccer fan and uh, gambling yeah. fan maybe i don't know but james what do you think about uh jaleel white spilling the beans and skeleton crew was that the first time we heard that it's coming out this year Yes, in November. We knew it was coming this year because it was included in the press release from Disney at the beginning of the year with all the logos. Oh, yeah. And they did mention in celebration that it was coming, but I don't think they gave us a time frame. I always assumed it was November, so I love that I'm right. I always thought December. God, stop. James, what what do you think? (laughs) Um, I don't think think he's playing like a big villain or any sort of thing. I, I almost wonder if this is borderline cameo i think he just might just kind of be like in the background it might just be some uh, a thing that he got because i don't think he's done anything really like spotlight or lead role or anything um in a long time and as far mm-hmm. as on you know kind of spilling the beans on this particular piece of information um i think that's just his world like his world coming from when he was younger this stuff didn't matter you know so he's like oh i think i'm gonna you know get into this or do this thing and it's just not he's not been in anything that's as kept high kept of a secret as star Wars. So that I know this of. doesn't matter. Yeah. This doesn't matter. Family matters, but this doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're telling be- me to shut up about talking about how I love that's in November and you're saying things like that. 50 bucks that people laughed at that joke. 50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks uh, I got cash on me if you need it, but um james i think he could be playing just one of those like pirates that's working for uh kale organa gorian shard oh my god and you followed up with kale oh my god kale organa is a great name it was Um, good the first time not the 17th time well and now i'm gonna do it more so there we go um all right so before we get into the resistance report i do believe we have a super chat we do have a super chat uh our super chat comes from first one of the night andrew staley what up andrew, andrew. You, bud? Andrew, he said here's you. a few bucks towards the bikini costume oh Can't no wait for japan in 25 <laughs> uh, i Lord. love that nobody wants to pay for my costume but john's costume can you imagine Just me joking, walking andrew. around the show floor six one 220 pounds in a leia bikini in japan it's gonna happen so Just can't the, wait to the, the whitest dude imaginable just walking around <laughs> you act oh. like guys don't wear that costume all the time i know but you know me it's definitely not in my comfort zone it's gonna I know, be hilarious we, we know people who have done it who like embrace doing it mm-hmm. not me i'm gonna have a really tough day if that happens but 
that'd be cool if we got that subscriber count. So we'll see. You're, you know? you're just the best. So thank you so much. We're excited to see you in the chat, bud. Thank you, Andrew. You're the man. And cheers, pal. Um, all right, James, it is time for the resistance report. It's the resistance. Woo-wee. All right, we got a lot to talk about in the Star Wars world because the Empire magazine came out and it wasn't even Star Wars on the cover. It wasn't even like this big Star Wars thing. It was just like, here's a catch up with Kathleen Kennedy and probably still from Celebration that they're just like kind of like rolling out over time. But uh, it was uh, a lot discussing um, the movies, uh, specifically Dave Filoni's movies, a lot about Ahsoka, a lot about acolyte skeleton crew and or season two lots of quotes from actors some new information about some of these shows there's so much to convey i don't even really know where to begin on all of this um i guess we can just start kind of at the top with the movie information as far as kathleen kennedy sort of giving a a recap now i'm i i'm not going on the article order this may be how it played out in the article too but you know there was um there's a subreddit that that breaks down a lot of the star wars content and they kind of just said like hey i'm going to summarize this stuff you know it's all in the article but these are the quotes the, and this is what they were talking about so ray's movie ryan johnson taika watiti lando and rogue squadron um and anything else you know um and then getting into the the movies that are more confirmed with like dave filoni and all that stuff um john you want to kick us off what are your thoughts on uh kathleen kennedy's comments on all of the movies that are, you know, still in that like middle, middle ground. I think she has to stop. Well, first of all, I think it's not her fault. I think people need to stop asking her about Ryan Johnson. It's just getting to the point where it's, it's the same answer over and over again. It really does feel like groundhog day where she's like, Oh my God. Yes, we're talking. He's busy. He's so talented. One day, it's just like if he's if his trilogy's obviously not happening. He's talked about I'd like to do something. So the trilogy's gone. So now it's just like if that's gone, then stop answering the question about a hypothetical. Like clearly, we know Kathleen Kennedy loves Ryan Johnson. Um, he's a talented filmmaker. He's in his own lane right now, being very successful doing his own thing. If there's nothing new that you're gonna get from her just stop asking the question i know he's like one of those hot button people that gets clicks and stuff and if that's why you're asking it that shouldn't be the only reason to do it i know you know people got to make their money somehow but people are waiting for them to be like the one time she gives the different answer right and i'm sure when that answer comes it's not going to come via someone asking her they're going to put an announcement out i'm sure um so that one i was like oh like geez uh the taika thing is bothersome to me because how do you have a first and second act of a movie which is reportedly supposed to be a standalone movie and say you're trying to figure out your third act? Like, write your story. I, I don't know. That, that whole thing bothered me a little bit. Um, the Ray mm-hmm. thing, I liked what she said a lot because she's saying the Jedi are in chaos. There's even a question of how many exist anymore. And I love that. I, it sounds mysterious it sounds uncertain. It sounds like there may not be a lot of Jedi out there. And that's right in my breadbasket. Like I like I keep saying, like, I don't want to see the Attack of the Clones arena scene. I don't want to see this whole giant facility full of Jedi. 
out of nowhere. I, I think it should be small. I like the idea of Jedi being specialized, these sort of wizards, and there's mystery to it. I like going back to that. And that's what I liked a lot about the sequel trilogy. There wasn't a lot. There was It's very minimalized. And when they use lightsabers, it, it counted. Um, and when they use the Force, it counted. So I l- actually really liked what you had to say about the Ray movie. Um, and then I'll just touch on a couple other things and then I'll get to you know let you guys hop in and then we can, I guess, circle around because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, her saying Lando and Rogue Squadron are still on the books. Um, I don't know about Rogue Squadron. I hope the Lando thing's still in the books because, you know, Donald Glover was saying, he, you know, he's still interested, but he wants to make sure it's good. It sounds like that was sort of his call because early on, if you remember when she was talking about that, the Lando series, she said she was waiting for Donald Glover to be ready. Remember those, those were her earlier answers about this whole thing <laughs> before celebration last year. So I think this is all on him saying like, I don't like the story that you guys came up with for this. You know, if I'm going to come back, you know, that whole thing he said about using your time and time is valuable now in this post-pandemic world and stuff. I think this he's, he's telling them, though, let's boost that quality a bit on this story. So I think that being sort of still being tinkered with is him saying, like, come on. Um, the Rogue Squadron, I have no idea what they're going to do with that because Patty Jenkins is gone. So that, that sounds like a whole reboot. Uh, and like Lacey says, like, give it to Paul Sun Young Lee. Like, give him that if you need to. Um and then uh, the eventized thing about you know we'll put out movies when they're ready. I, I just just make the movies, make them good, and uh, I don't need to. I don't need an explanation. That sounds like a like a, a safety net comment. Like in case we don't hit that date, just so you know, it's because we're making sure they're really good for you. So yeah. there, all good here, and some like eh, and some things I just wish they stopped asking her. Uh, I won't touch on the Filoni stuff yet. Uh, I want to get you guys in the conversation uh, on the Ahsoka stuff. So um, that's what I got on on ma- mainly the movie stuff anyway. Yeah, I, I I don't really have any much to add either. Like as far as the the Rays movie, that sounds cool. The Ryan Johnson thing, 100% agree. Taika Waititi thing, yeah, a little strange that she's getting into weird specifics like that. Like we're halfway through it. We can't quite figure out the end. That's a little strange. He's slow. Lando, yeah. The, the Lando and uh, Rogue Squadron thing, I, I'm like – Lando seems like it's kind of moving along, but in like slow development. But I'm like, it's weird that you put Rogue Squadron in that same thing. I guess technically they're both still on the books. You still want to make them, but it's because I don't I don't see those two as two different things. One looked like it was like happening and fell apart. And the other one looks like it's slowly happening, you know, and Um, one's a show and one's a theatrical film, unless that's being reworked to a series. Yeah. Um, I did think it was strange, though, that on the comments, as far as like everything else, she said it's much better to tell the truth. And I'm like, it's not that she's ever been lying, but it does. It it made me feel she did lie. She lied about the Kevin Feige stuff. That is definitely a lie. That's true. (laughs) That is definitely a lie. (laughs) I I was um, thinking more along the lines of like her being open about things like it's much better to just be open about what we're doing yeah and uh, yeah transparent about how this whole process works and stuff and i guess she's being a little open about the taika thing but um but it's like i i don't i feel like you've built your entire culture around being secretive so it seems a little strange to be like well we just tell the truth and we just tell everybody what's happening you know i'm like "Mm, i don't know that you do but lazy what are your thoughts on all this stuff um, 
Well, the Taika stuff is concerning, seeing as they announced his movie on May 4th in 2020, and it is now past May 4th in 2023, and they <laughs> don't have a full story for his movie yet. Um, and he's the one that's been nominated for like an Oscar for his original screenplay. So it's a little concerning that she's saying, oh, you know, he wouldn't be mad at me for saying this, but he, like he's really slow. And, you know, he's taking his time. And you're like, it feels like they keep using that term of like, oh, we're taking our time. We're taking a breath. We're... And my response is, why? Why do you need more time? And I think that I'm going to get hit with a lot of people being like, well, as long as they make a good story, I don't care how much time they have. You can sit on a story for 10 years, 20 years. It doesn't mean it's going to be any better than in one that you wrote in a year. So <laughs> I just kind of push back a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know. I, like you were saying, James, with the transparency thing, I don't think they've been transparent. I don't think she's told the truth all the time just because that's the way the business works. And I don't think you can. I don't think she's at a fault for it, except the Kevin Feige stuff, which was so blatantly not true. Yeah. Um, but like the Lando stuff, they announced that in November of 2020. We've heard nothing about that. And then you have Don Donald Glover talking about it being like, oh, well, the story's got to be good. That means the story's not good. And it's hard to be confident about these movies and about this franchise when you're hearing that the stories aren't good. Because if anything, the stories have to be the best part. The stories have to be what is the driving force behind making these movies and shows and books and comics and everything else. If the story is not there, you have nothing. And those are the things that have trans transcended for 40 plus years, you know? So it, it's mm -hmm. crazy to me that they're having trouble with the stories. Um, and didn't he just, didn't he just get like, except directing a tower of terror movie now too, Taika? Taika, so like, I, I think I don't Taika know. says yes to too many things. I think that yeah. he's not slow. I think he just moves around a lot. He's constantly working on so many. I'm going projects. slow by what she said. I don't think oh, yeah. he's slow no, either because he's yeah. churning out stuff yeah. like uh, that pirate show that he does. I'm blanking on the name. Yeah. Uh, uh, sales. He, uh, black sales. Yeah. Black sales. No, not black sales. It's not black sales. Black sales is a different pirate show. This is something different. Anyway, yeah. that show, he's written two seasons of it. Like they're done. <laughs> so it's like he's doing that. He's doing all the Thor stuff. It's Our just. Flags or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But. Anyway, I think that our flag means death, Kyle says. Our flag means death. Kyle. Yeah, that's it. Um, oh. So much pirate stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just think it's tricky to look at these stories and be like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Like, this is a great update. Because from her, I didn't really get a good update. I see that, you know, they give a little bit of a tidbit for the Ray movie. You're like, okay, Jedi and Chaos, that makes sense. Please let this be actually 15 years later you know they say it's 15 years later but like let it actually something happen in that time frame because the sequel trilogy was so back to back to back that you didn't get any development from certain aspects of the story um so it's interesting to see where that's going to go but the ryan johnson stuff i'm just like they announced his stuff in 2017 for a trilogy nothing has come about it it's now gotten to the point that they're like well we'll do it someday then you need to be honest with the update and say that, hey, he's not doing a trilogy anymore because <laughs> he's not mm -hmm. doing anything. And I just think that it's just kind of all these announcements, you get so excited. And then there's just this letdown of, oh, nothing's coming of it. Um, it is interesting that she brought up Rogue Squadron because everything that we've heard has said that that's basically dead. Um, but I'm hoping, like John had brought up, they're reworking it for – Paul and Carson Tava and characters that we've met in the Mandalorian. I think that would be great. 
great thing for that show slash movie. Um, we're going to get into later in the show about how Disney Plus is doing. So I think that might affect some of these decisions, if not, they're already impacting these decisions of how they're moving b- between movies and shows. Mm-hmm. Um, the one comment that did irk me, and these guys know this because I said something about it during the week, was in this interview, which it isn't in here, but it's in the interview. Kathleen Kennedy talks about how she compares Star Wars kind of to like James Bond. And she's like, you know, James Bond is this big event. And to me, first of all, I don't think Star Wars should be comparing itself to anything, first of all. Second of all, as someone that my husband loves James Bond and is thoroughly in that kind of franchise and fandom and stuff, those fans are very unhappy with how James Bond has been handled. So it's interesting to me that she chose a franchise that people are very unhappy with how they're doing those movies and how the the space of time they have between movies. The last movie they sat on for like two, three years before they released it. And they haven't even started production on the next one. And it's annoying James Bond fans. So I was one of those people that I was like, that is not the franchise to choose when you're talking about comparing your trying to make it an event because the people that like that franchise aren't currently unhappy with how they're not making James Bond an event anymore. Um, But yeah, we can get into Filoni now. (laughs) I'm done with this part. Um, Yeah. Well, it's just, as the article went on, it talks a little bit more about Dave Filoni's stuff uh, specifically on what his thoughts about Thrawn are and bringing him to the big screen. And uh, you know, what was the whole process like when he was a, asked by Kathleen Kennedy to make a Star Wars film, but it was interesting. Um, I give it up to the, um, the person asking the questions here, the interviewer, um, cause he said something that I knew, but I didn't really ever put it together, uh, which was the first thing we ever saw Dave Filoni do was the theatrical Star Wars movie, <laughs> which was the clone wars. And right. I was like, Oh, that's interesting that <laughs> the first thing he ever did was, a theatrically released Star Wars movie. And mm-hmm. now he's coming full circle and doing it again. And it's totally in a different light. But it, all this time, even though I knew that information, it seemed like it was something that he was sort of building up to. Um, but yeah, it was like the first thing he tackled. So um, I'm going to bounce back at you again, Lacey, uh, on the thoughts uh, on Dave Filoni's comments. Dave Filoni is a true delight. And every interview I read of his comes from a place of... I feel like passion and care and experience and also like very, he's very humble. Like he can't believe that he's having the conversation that he's having every time he's having it, whatever project it is. He's like, I can't believe I'm here. And you're like, you've been at Lucasfilm for like 20 years. And he's like, I can't believe I'm still here. (laughs) Um, But I just liked him talking about how he's doing a movie and how the big thing that stuck out to me was him saying that, you know, the first thing he remembers of directed by in a movie was George Lucas. So the most important Mm -hmm. thing to him is to stay true to George and his vision and his story. And if he gets to expand on that and those characters and themes and whatnot, that they still are ring true to what George created. Um, And it's nice to hear that there's someone still kind of holding the flag for George of, I trust what George made and I want to continue on that legacy and I might bring things that I think are cool into that uh, world. But um, at the end of the day, it would be something that George would approve of. And it's nice to know that like he's in meetings being like, no, George wouldn't like this or yes, George would like this. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. 
that was really cool. I just like uh, him talking about Thrawn too. You know, we have a lot of Thrawn fans in Star Wars. I'm not one of the biggest ones, but I get it. He's really cool. And to hear Dave Filoni talk about how he was always in the back of his mind of like someone that he wanted to bring in and like bring into the, as being the big bad villain, I think fans are really in for something really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I definitely think uh, I, that <clears throat> Dave Filoni has been basing Thrawn more on the heir to the Empire Thrawn. Um, and that's apparent in like he, that, that was Thrawn to him. And then he brought that sort of villain Thrawn to Rebels. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know how closely he's working with Timothy's on. I don't think they really got into those types of details, but he says, I'm trying to bring that character, uh, it's his justice. Um, but there's been this, these other books that, you know, like paint him in a positive light and stuff. So it's kind of interesting, but, but Dave Filoni is like, no, he's the big bad clearly, you know, he's the guy mm-hmm, who's mm-hmm. the big threat and that's, he's going to be in my movie and all this other stuff. So I, as a, as a person who has read all the Thrawn books and has seen this, like where he's sort of the hero of those books, it's interesting to see him as such a villain. Um, I think even coming out of, um, like some of those books, people will be like, it's so weird to see Thrawn, like dropping bombs on the city, you know, like that's just so out of his character considering what we've seen in these other books. But, you know, Tim himself says I've written Thrawn to be one character all the way through, you know, from, you know, it, it, it canon and not, he gets all whatever, but he's like, to, to me, it's a believable character. You could st- that all my books are canon in sort of his head. He understands the difference. I'm not trying to say he's confused, but I'm saying he writes the same character. Um, so I don't know. I just always thought that was interesting. But uh, listening to Dave talk about that and talk about him getting this movie and, and being uh, set up to make Thrawn the big bad of his villain, it's it's all interesting stuff. And I, I you know I say go read the 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 article. John, what are your thoughts on Dave Filoni? Yeah, Filoni gets it, and he also knows how to humbly approach this stuff. Because um, I feel like there's some people who, you know, make Star Wars that kind of come across as a bit, um, like, egotistical. Um, but for being the guy who is sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, an understudy to George Lucas, and he does always make sure he brings it back to George Lucas. Because like I was saying at Celebration, like George Lucas was hardly talked about except for John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, Kathleen Kennedy doesn't really talk about him that much. And uh, I think it's kind of, a, it's a little sad in a way that George Lucas, like not, not that he's ignored, but like the guy invented all of this and people need to remember that. And Dave Filoni definitely does. And it's just like I said, like you can, the further and further we go into the future, the less connectivity we're going to have to why George Lucas created this thing. Because as things evolve, you distance yourself from the origin of it and things naturally, whether you want them to or not, change. And as people pass on and generations move on, uh, it gets harder and harder to preserve why this whole thing exists in the first place. But at least right now, we all know that we have Dave Filoni and he completely understands it because he's within an arm's reach of that original tree that created all of this. So, uh, and I'm not calling George Lucas a tree. I'm just saying like, you know, you keep, 
like they say this the the phrase the fruit falls from the tree so um but i love him leaning clearly into this because as we saw at celebration as we've seen him in other interviews and as we've heard from people like when we interviewed taylor gray uh dave filoni oh and steven stanton recently put out this cool video talking about his final time recording season five of of clone wars dave filoni is very very protective and secretive he likes the theatrics of fans finding something out for the first time when it's a completed product. And I appreciate that. Do, do I want Lucasfilm to be more transparent about projects? Yes. About the, what's in the projects? No. And he preserves that. So, but for him to be of that uh, personality to just go right out there and say, like, I see him as a villain, I think is important and shows that he wants to make it clear that we are establishing this villain because I do still think Star Wars has a villain problem. And there's always, for some reason, this want and desire to complicate what that means. And I understand the modern way of storytelling, which is, well, you got to see it from the villain's point of view. They think they're right all the time. I understand that. But Star Wars was made very simplistically. And I'm not saying you always have to keep it simple. We have Andor, obviously, and stuff like that. But Star Wars is good versus evil when it comes down to it. George Lucas likes speed. He wanted to go fast in space. He's the Ricky Bobby of fantasy space opera. But at the same time, he also understands the morality of good versus evil. And Filoni understands that simplicity. And every time he explains Star Wars, we're always like, oh, my God, Filoni just blew my mind. But when you break down what he says, it's really simple, classic storytelling. So he knows we need a good villain here. And Thrawn being that makes so much sense. So I like that he leaned into that. So I'm all in on what he said about that. And I think that makes me even more excited about that movie because I think all of that's going to culminate in that movie. I'm not saying who's going to live or die or what's going to happen, but seeing Thrawn on a big screen after being built up in these shows and seeing Mando, Ahsoka, the ghost crew and all that being built up on that side, the Mandalorians, I think it's going to be an epic movie. And I love that he's leaning into villains because I've been saying it for a long time. Star Wars has a villain problem. You got this cool, unique villain who filled this gap when Star Wars was quote unquote over after 1983. They put out these books. Oh, Star Wars, there's new Star Wars. It's these books. It kept Star Wars sort of alive until the prequels came out and the special editions. So Thrawn like will always have that special place in people's hearts between 1983 and 1997. And uh, I like that they're saying he's going to be our villain for this chunk of time pre First Order. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce it right back at you and and uh, let's move into these comments about the Soka show, uh, getting a lot of uh, different statements from the cast. Um, mm-hmm. And talking about, you know, that combination between Rebels, uh, you know, is it the Rebel sequel or does it stand on its own? A couple comments there. What are your thoughts on that, John? Um, I think this is more of a directive to the cast to make sure that the wide net of Star Wars fans or people who enjoy Star Wars can see this as an accessible show without having to do too much homework. And it's like when Filoni, who, like I said, if, you know, he put a blaster to his head behind the scenes at Celebration. He would tell you, you need to watch all of it, all of Rebels, watch all of it. But when he's on the press line, he's like, uh, you don't really need to, but maybe watch some of season four. It's like the guy who put his blood, sweat and tears into four seasons of this show is not going to really be honest and say, 
yeah, yeah, GA. You just have to watch a couple of season four. I think they want to make sure people watch this stuff. And our next story is going to be why that is because of the, you know what's going on with Disney Plus. They want to make. You know, I'm sure this came down from Disney. Like we res- we appreciate what you guys are doing with these stories and connectivity, but you got to make sure that everyone believes they can show up and watch this show without feeling like they're going to be lost. And I think that's <laughs> really really important uh, to to sell to all Star Wars fans. You know, like. My dad will go see a Star Wars movie. He'll watch a Star Wars show. My brother will too. Are they going to watch Rebels? No, probably not. Uh, so I think it is important for them to do that. So all these things that you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead said, that Rosario Dawson has said, that Filoni has said, it all seems to fit into this same template of let's make sure we can reach everyone, but also let the diehards know like, wink, wink, we still got you. You know, It's still Dave Filoni's show here. You're going to get everything you need but it's not going to be stuff that makes people completely confused who may not be all dialed into everything. So that's, that's my just takeaway from it. it. It's a smart move and it's, it's, and the diehards know if Filoni's name on it is they're, they're going to be taken care of it. It's gonna be done right, but they want everyone to be able to watch this stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one of my favorite comments out of this, um, was from Rosaria Dawson. She said, there's no boss over them. There's no one telling them that they have to do this. Uh, then she says, this is a carryover from Rebels. Um, but I, I liked that it had this interesting perspective of like, there wasn't this military government that was like, this throng guy's coming in. You're my lieutenant. You got to go fight this person. It feels like all of these people collectively are like, we're free. We're, you know, we don't report to anybody. We just see bad happening in the world and we have to do something about it. Um, mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of an interesting aspect going into um, that show because I think almost always we've felt like Star Wars has been this sort of like the military thing where like our heroes are sort of in the rank and there's always somebody at the top pulling strings. Um, this is one of those times where we're sort of getting the opportunity to see somebody just say, I'm going to do the right thing because it is the right thing to do kind of a thing. Lacey, any thoughts on um, uh, the Ahsoka stuff? I'm going to be honest, you guys gave like really deep answers. I'm most excited for this Lothcat that they were talking <laughs> about. I didn't say a thing about it. <laughs> well, like the idea that this thing is like a full puppet that has full mechanical face and like it, it, they say that it's better than Baby Yoda, which I love that they called it Baby Yoda. That made me laugh. Uh, but the fact that they're saying this thing is so intense and so awesome gets me excited because anytime there's some type of creature or puppeteering or any type of animatronics in star wars like that's what i love the most that's Mm. what makes it star wars for me and like super creative and and like just reminds me being a little kid and having an imagination and being like oh my god this is unbelievable so i'm most hyped to see the loth cat and other creatures that we're going to see in this show honestly all right yeah. Well, let's um, let's go on to the next show, which is Acolyte. Um, this was originally pitched a while back, back uh, or it was pitched by Leslie Headland as Kill Bill meets Frozen. And they talk a little bit about what that could mean. And she breaks that down a little bit. And then we got a bunch of comments. Um, again, this feels to me like it was from Celebration. This is moving along the line. They were just getting some quotes from all the different people. Um, but it is kind of interesting if you go through and read a lot of these comments, because there are some interesting things about these particular characters designs and what their motivations are finding out, um, you know, if they are or are not force sensitive, there's some cool stuff here. Um, Lacey, did you have any thoughts on the acolyte? 
So I really wished they released the footage that they showed at Celebration so that everybody could have enjoyed it because it really was one of the highlights for me. It was just really intense. And like the moment that Carrie Ann Moss came on screen, like everyone in the room was like, yo, like mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, mm-hmm. This show surprised me. It off the bat probably wasn't something that I was super excited for, but seeing the footage and hearing the people talk about it has gotten me more excited. Um, I really like how Amanda's character has the mask. She is like, wears a mask, which looks very visions to me. And as you guys know, I love visions. So it does have that kind of samurai feel, which some of the actors go into in here. Um, But I'm going to be honest, like nothing in this interview necessarily gave me anything that I was like, oh, interesting, because it's all stuff I felt that we kind of got at Celebration. But I understand people that haven't been at Celebration probably wouldn't have heard it. Um, I'm most hyped for... Uh, Jonas being a Wookiee, <laughs> getting to be a Wookiee again. Like, that's right. so exciting for me that he gets to not only be a Wookiee, but a Jedi Wookiee. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to expect from this show. I'm going to be honest. They all seem like they're really hyped and they're really excited. I got a really, I don't know, I was a little nervous that it's described as Kill Bill meets Frozen because that's not really my jam in the sense of like Kill Bill. Maybe Frozen, but not the Kill Bill side. So I'm a little nervous just because it does, you know, Leslie Henland says a couple times like, oh, it has darker tones. It's more dark. It's more. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that because that's just not what I'm into. But I'm excited to see what comes out of it. And the fact that they have multiple characters that aren't just human is cool to me. Yeah, that was one of the interesting comments. Daphne Keene saying she's half alien, half human by species. She's a theline. Um, and they kind of describe her as like David Bowie meets Star Wars because she has a mullet and horns. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, inspired all by the character from the Jabba Palace. Um, that's that's interesting information. Um, we knew the stuff about Rebecca Henderson playing Verdestra Rowe. That's pretty cool. Um, but they talked out there's, yeah. a, uh, you know, how the dark side is infiltrating um, this and it's just the fact that there's a lot of Jedi so it's like oh well then there's going to be a lot of extras maybe this is that <laughs> Attack of the Clones moment John's talking about there's just a lot of Jedi walking around that's mm-hmm. all interesting but uh, as as many Jedi as it seems like they might stick into the show um, I was kind of interested to see that uh, Manny Jacinto is just playing a normal guy it just a normal regular dude. guy is the quote <laughs> And I was like, okay, well, it kind of has like a Haja vibe a little bit. Like he's sort of getting wrapped up in the story. He doesn't actually have any special powers or he's not part of the military or anything like that. It's just part of it. It's just a character that's kind of comes along. Uh, but he says he's interested in the Jedi and sort of gets caught up in that whole like High Republic um, tower spiral, whatever you want to say. Um, lots of interesting things, uh, again, when it comes down to, uh, character designs and things too, we got mm-hmm. a little bit of description on what some of these characters are going to be wearing and looking like and their inspiration and stuff. John, what were your takeaways for Acolyte? Uh, Acolyte, um, you guys said a lot uh, that I agree with and, you know, the footage, I agree, Lacey. If, I think if everyone saw the footage, we wouldn't even need to talk too much about it. And I don't think no. Leslie Hedlund, Hedlund would need to talk too much about it. Let it speak for itself. It looks it was the one stuff that really, I think, stood above everything um, in terms of the f- new footage we saw. I thought it was, looked so good. Um, but I'm going to say this. I, I think that Manny Jacinto's character is going to be like the sleeper hit for this show because I think ha- Star Wars needs that regular 
human type of character that we can all view the galaxy through like Han Solo in a new hope. Like you got, you know, these creatures, these wizards, all this crazy stuff. And then you have this regular dude who's just like, Oh, I can see myself in that guy, in that guy's shoes. And Manny Jacinto is like, this is like chaotic. We have dark side, we have Jedi, we have Jedi Wookiees. And then you have this guy who's like, they're saying is a normal guy. Now this again could be, of one of those red herring things, but I think it's important for especially these stories that take place in heavy force user eras to have regular people. Um, and I think you need humor in Star Wars too. And typically, force users aren't all that funny. Um, I think humor was lacking quite a bit in the prequels. Uh, I think George did his best to try to make the relationship between Anakin and Obi Wan have some humor. It didn't really work for me that much. Um, you need these characters who aren't so powerful, uh, to just sort of be the every person. And I think this character is going to be like a sleeper hit for the show. And and I think people are going to really like draw themselves to that guy's character because he's young, good looking, and he's just playing someone. Everyone could feel like I'm that person in star Wars. Cause I don't have the force. Like he's going to be our eyes in this show. I think he's going to be the sleeper hit for this, show, this series. Yeah. Well, we we really honestly didn't get a whole lot of information about Andor, just a little bit, maybe about um, the motivations behind some of the characters um, and uh, potentially just a little bit of information around uh, a, a scene that Mon Mothma has and, and her motivation there. Uh, and James, but, just, just for, for the sake of time on the episode, should we mm-hmm. just say like, you know, Tony Gilroy said he's uh, ceasing the, you know, production element there's not too much to that right he's just sort of like um, correct bowing to the strike and respecting the writer's strike so yeah yeah, uh, yeah. he's yeah. he's not going to continue um doing doing work on andor if the strike is happening and he you know made sure that it was like may 3rd may 2nd you know he was like following all of that protocol mm-hmm. and so it was a big news story that he stopped but it it is just in conjunction with the writer strike. And it is kind of interesting because that show could get stopped for longer. It depends on how long this strike happens. Yeah. Um, but I imagine that things will get resolved and it will still be able to deliver delivered on the, the time frame that they were looking for. But you never know with this stuff because it's just a, uh, it's, it's, will the will the people you know what i mean like how long the battle goes and how long before one side eventually caves and says we're okay with that you know we'll we'll move forward um i don't know if Lacey, if you have any thoughts on andor or uh tony gilroy i don't i i'm a little confused because i thought we were talking about the empire stuff the tony stuff's later no i just said well, for the sake of time on our yeah. show because uh, they talk about skeleton crew too, which we didn't really mention. Which they talk that's about. That's I was going to go. Yeah, Jude Law gets going a little into... out of order, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're shifting things up on the fly here. Uh, so Jude Law gets into his character and how his character. Like the thing is, they're talking about how uh, on set, which reminded me very much of Drew Barrymore about how kids really believe what they see on set, like especially under a certain age, like they're very much into the aliens and creatures and sets and whatever. And they really believe in these things when they're acting. Um, And it reminded me of Drew Barrymore with E.T. where it was like, she really thought E.T. was a real creature. And like the people on set got to a point where they would never leave E.T. not with a puppeteer just in case she was around. 
because uh, they just wanted to oh, keep wow. kind of the thing going, which is such a fun behind the scenes moment. But um, yeah, I really love Jude Law talking about it because it seems like he's taking it very serious because he's playing the more kind of darker tone i guess in the series like he's he's like a more elevated character than obviously these kids that just believe everything and think everything's wonderful and like their children um mm-hmm. but the idea that they place this very much as an amblin project which is it's a kids movie or a kids show but it's not for kids it's for everyone and so there are going to be things here that maybe go over a kid's head but they're very much for the adults um or the kid inside the adult so to speak um but i really liked how jude law said that yeah sometimes i'd get really serious on set and all the kids would be like is he mad is he okay and it's not it's like him just playing his role which i thought was just very funny but i'm super pumped for that show as well Mm -hmm. yeah it seemed um that we got some comments from the creator himself saying you know um about the the talking about you know the process of going through like what Amblin was and what they were trying to do, what Kathleen Kennedy was trying to bring alive with a lot of those things and all that, all that is really cool. Uh, John, I was going to, I was going to flip over to you because I know he had some comments about Han Solo. Yeah. So yeah, Jude Law said his favorite character is Han Solo and he's correct. Very quickly, Uh, very quickly. He said that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I, I love that. I always liked Jude Law and he seems to be really excited to be a part of Star Wars, um, which, as you know, I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not too much more here to, for me to comment on. Uh, it feels like a lot of the things we have we have heard pre previously. Um, but you know, when you put out things like an Empire magazine, this isn't just for Star Wars fans to read. You want to make sure other people are reading this stuff and saying because they may not have heard interviews from Star Wars Celebration. So it's important to. To, to us diehard fans we're like ah we already heard this but it's like for someone they're like oh i didn't even know this was a show what is this empire magazine let me check this out jude law and star wars cool so uh i i completely understand that um but it, yeah it, it looks great I, I you know i love the amblin stuff i love the old spielberg 80s stuff uh goonies all that and this does feel like it's going to be right in the pocket with that. So if you take that type of storytelling into Star Wars and the smart approach of not making it a kid show, it just happens to be these kids are involved in this situation. Um, I, I like that. So I, I think Skeleton Crew is going to be uh, a fun series. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what they do with it. Yeah, very much so. I think it's going to balance very beautifully between lighthearted and dark fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very similar to the stranger things and the other things that we have these days. Um, but I did want to, before we move on uh, to the next big Disney plus losing subscriber story, see if we had some super chats. We do. So first up we have cool. Kenneth. What up Kenneth? He said, Hey guys, love you all. When do you think Dr. Afro will show up in live action? So we appreciate the super chat. I'm going to hold on to that because we're doing Ask the Resistance shortly, but I just want to acknowledge that we got it. Uh, and then Matt Lawless, thank you so much. He also has some questions here. Hey, hey, Terry, maybe it's just me, but I noticed Mark Hamill was in great shape during Carrie Fisher's ceremony last week. Do you think we'll see Luke soon? Going to save that also till we get to Ask the <laughs> Resistance. Um, so we'll BRB on TRB. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Disney Plus thing because uh, – it looks like they're in their second quarter of l- losses. The second time Disney Plus 
has actually lost subscribers and, and money, um, shedding nearly 4 million subscribers. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. I saw something recently that was talking about how technically Disney Plus plus Hulu plus ESPN is bigger than Netflix right now. Um, but it's still one of those things where like not any one of those single entities can take that out. Um, so if you're looking at the Disney company and their streaming services, it's, you know, Hulu is up, ESPN plus is up, but Disney plus itself, that particular streaming service down, um, it's kind of, it's, it's all interesting, but, um, John, what are your thoughts on Disney plus losing all these subscribers? So. I don't think it's as bad as it sounds because the bulk of the losses came out of India, which a lot of those subscribers came from uh, like access to highlight matches or uh, correct me if I'm wrong, something like that. Indian uh, cricket matches. I'm sorry. Uh, Indian Premier League cricket matches, which uh, they now dropped off the service. People probably dropped off their subscribers. They probably weren't there for, you know, Wookiees and, and the bounty hunters and and Jedi. So the losses it says in US and Canada was only about 300,000 subscribers. So the total loss of 4.6 million a lot of those came via India with that hot star combo. So it's not as doom and gloom as it sounds. It's not good of course because it's a, still a loss. Um the one thing that you got to pay attention to is what uh the CFO of Disney Christine McCarthy said which is they're in the process of reviewing content and will be removing certain content from their platforms. Um, but also that they're going to be producing lower volumes of content in alignment with their shift in strategy. Um, so again, but that also sounds bad because that means, oh, they're making less stuff. But you always got to pair that with who else is in power, which is Bob Iger, who has said, we're going to lean more heavily into our like mainstay big IPs. So I don't think Star Wars is going to be part of the reduction in what they make. I think it's going to be these offshoot things that aren't big draws. So I think Marvel, Star Wars, uh, Pixar, like a lot of their big IP stuff that they put a lot of investment into and a lot of budget money into and clearly stuff in the theme parks, which the theme parks are starting to do better uh, than they were before. Uh, are going to be okay. So when she says, when you hear quotes like we're we're going to be lowering or reducing the volume of content we create, I personally don't think that that's going to be Star Wars. So I think Star Wars is going to actually be fine. And as Bob Iger said, we're going to lean more into that stuff. So I think we may even see an uptick in what's created for Star Wars. And it might be a good thing for Star Wars because if you reduce the volume of stuff you're making, you 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 know you can use the budget that may have gone into other things and beef up the budget of these Marvel and Star Wars shows, which we got to admit, some of them have felt a little underproduced in terms of uh, quality, which comes to dollars. So I, I actually am taking this story that is sounds negative in two folds with the subscriber losses and with the reduction in, in uh, stuff they're going to produce. And I think, uh, both of those things actually are going to lend themselves to being a good thing for the important stuff that helps Disney stay strong, which is stuff like Star Wars. So I'm feeling okay about all this. I actually think Star Wars may be better off if they cut, trim the fat, so to speak, and lean more heavily into the stuff that works like Star Wars. Totally. Lacey? Well, I think it's interesting that 
once again, the Disney theme parks are carrying Disney. <laughs> no one's surprised. That thing is their, their, those parks are their bread and butter and they make a lot of their money and they've been introducing a ton of new experiences. I know they had announced recently that they're bringing back dining plans and all this stuff. Like they're leaning back heavy into the parks right now um, that have been honestly more packed than ever from my understanding. They're also going to take Hulu and Disney Plus and combine them later this year into a one-app experience. I think people can expect the price of that app experience to go up if they're combining two things together. And I think Disney knows that. And so whatever their price is now, I forget what it is. It's like, what, $7.99, $8.99 a month? That's going to go up probably. So get ready for that. Um, I do think that there's a shift here. You know, it's normal for these services, whether it be Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, to have churn. I think that's normal. People drop off and come back when certain shows or movies are on. However, I do think by saying that they're going to produce lower volumes of content to align with strategic shift, I think that that does affect everything in the sense that they might have 10 projects in line for Star Wars and they might only produce eight. Um, I think that Disney is deciding where they should put their money. And I think you're going to see, and we've talked about it before, more movies coming out. Than TV, I think for the past few years they've pushed TV really hard, especially with mm-hmm. the pandemic. I think they're going to sh- they're shifting more into movie experiences. They know that's where the movie is or the money is. They know that people want to go back to the movies, and it's just a smart business plan because it's people watch these shows, whether it be The Mandalorian or Andor or whatever, once and then that's it. People will go back to see a good movie like Avatar three four five six times so and they get the it on demand they buy the digital copy you know there's so much stuff that goes into a movie experience over a tv experience um so i'm interested to see what comes from that but i definitely think with Iger back everything that was a year ago is completely different um because he's just going to go in and, and get things back on track so to speak of what he thinks the company values and thinks is more important. And I know that TV isn't the top of that. Whereas Chapek really pushed streaming and said that streaming is our new thing and we're all about streaming. And I think Iger's kind of backtracking that and being like, no, no, no. Parks, customer experience, merchandising, movies, like that's what Disney does. So interesting to see what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, um, why don't you go ahead and uh, we can wrap up Resistance Report this week. Why don't you take us into uh, the questions that we had? Yeah. Do we want to go into actually ask the Resistance? Let's we can do it. do it if we want. Let's go. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Ask the Resistance. <laughs> it's time for us the Resistance. Let's it's go. Time. <laughs> okay. Who's doing it? You doing it? I'm doing it. So first up, we have Matt Lawless. Thank you so much for the super chat. We really appreciate it. Like I said before, he said, hey, TRB, maybe it's just me, but I noticed Mark Hamill was in great shape. He was during Carrie Fisher's star ceremony last week. Last week. Do you think we'll see Luke soon or am I full of felony? John, what do you think? We will not see Luke soon. I think Mark Hamill is just taking care of himself and it's good to see. Um, I think he is all set. I think he did his stuff for uh, the Mando thing because he wanted to play the hero Luke again. And I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, but I think he is all done. Um, I'd be shocked if we got a cameo in the next movie. I think he's, he's, he's put his time in, you know, he's, 
he's uh, hung up his robe and lightsaber, so to speak. Um, so I don't think so. James, um, I'm I'm with John totally. I, I mean, I think he would be willing to come back if something happened, but I don't. I I wouldn't at this point expect that he's getting into shape to more convincingly bring Luke Skywalker back to the screen or anything like that. I just think you're probably right that he's taking care of himself. I I, I do think he looks good, but I don't think it has any real and, connection to Star Wars. And thank you, Matt. I appreciate it, man. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mark's just got he got signed on for some recent movie with uh, Tom Hiddleston, I believe he would just signed up for some movie. So I think he's doing a bunch of other projects, um, which is really exciting for him. And I'm happy for him. You know me. I'd love to see him back as Luke Skywalker. I'll take him at any time as Luke Skywalker. I just think from comments that he's made, as well as comments that I believe Kathleen Kennedy made at Celebration of, no, the Luke story is kind of done with Ray. Like she's on her own journey now that they're not leaning into Mark Hamill, which is sad, but I hope we see him back at some point doing something, whether it be more behind the scenes or, I don't know, just at celebrations. It would be nice to see him there. Um, But yeah, thanks for your question. Next up is Kenneth. Thank you for the super chat. He said, hey, love you guys. Thank you so much. He said, what do you think, Doc, or when do you think Doc, Dr. Afra will show up in live action? I'm going to start with you, James. I don't know, man. It's tough. Um, I think that they're already sort of playing in the world of the like new rebellion, um, not new rebellion. What am I saying? New Republic with Mandalorian and all that. But like, I really don't know that she shows up. I mean, that's, it seems logically like around the same time. I'm not totally caught up with like, I don't know if she's dead at this point. I don't think she is. (laughs) I think the character's still alive and around. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say that the best place for her to show up right now logically seems like in that Mandalorian world. Um, but I just don't know that they want to like stick that character in there. It feels like a character that they would sort of want to develop elsewhere. But mm-hmm. I don't know where that would be. I mean, that's like in the original trilogy timeline. So it's tough. I mean, like her main thing, like she's done a lot of stuff. But I think like the main thing that people think about and associate with her is working with directly with Darth Vader. So it's yeah. like, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But, you know, yeah. okay. Um, John? Kenneth, I want to know. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate it, man. Uh, you're always also, uh, you know, you know, commenting on all the episodes and stuff. So that's really nice. Appreciate it. Um, I don't know that she is going to appear in live action. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think she's a big enough name of a character, especially what we just talked about with Disney plus to like get her own series. Now, even an animated series, I don't think she'd be able to carry that from a, um, a value of production standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, it'd be tough. It, it would almost feel like they were just bringing her to live action just to bring her to live action. Uh, so, and that's not a disparaging comment to the character. I don't think a character needs to come to live action to to gain full value. I don't think that's. I don't believe that. So I, I, I could see Afro popping in in other maybe future animated series, uh, maybe further comic runs. You know, it's you know they say she, you know she's the Indiana Jones of Star Wars, and I think that is cool. I just don't know where she would plug in. So when you say, when do I think she will show up? I don't know that she will. I don't know. Yeah, Kenny, what do you fair. think? Let me know, Kenny. What do you think? 
I just remember when Act Like got announced and they kind of made it this like, oh, this is going to be this adventure, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, oh, it's Afra. Remember, like, that was like the first thing everybody said. Oh, yeah. Acolyte. Before think- it was Acolyte. It was just Leslie Headland's project. Yeah. I think um, she compared it to any. Didn't she say she like drew the map that was like she said that she used an atlas? Yeah. And you were traveling yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people were kind of doing the Indiana Jones arrow thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't think she's showing up. I think she's definitely a comic character that people love and I get it. Um, like James said, like if she showed up in the minute, there's so many cameos in the Mandalorian at this point. It's like, how many more people can we welcome in that we, there's so many that we didn't even get to see in this past season, like Cobb Vant that we wanted more of. So I just think that as always, Star Wars needs to be cautious when they're making these cameos and introductions of characters at different time periods and different projects. And uh, I just think right now she's not going to, she's not going to appear, but hopefully for you, Kenneth, hopefully for you. Uh, next, we have a super chat from Freezy2324. Thank you so much. He said, did you see the recent video of Mark Hamill being hounded by autograph seekers? Do you think this behavior is what pushes him away from cons? I think that video was absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. Those people are not fans. Those are autograph sellers, resellers. Those are scalpers. Those are people that immediately after that video posted photos of them outside his car with the item selling it on eBay. So mm-hmm. I don't want to say... I saw people being like, oh, look at these fans. Those aren't fans. <laughs> Let me yeah. make that clear. Second, um, I don't know if that's what's keeping him away from cons, to be honest. I, I think it could be a variety of things. You know, It could be that the, the cons don't have room for him. It could be a booking thing, timing thing. Uh, he could be working on other projects, like I said. Um, it, I can't see him being someone that's sick of fan interactions, being as someone that's met him a couple times, he's super nice and uh, giving with his time. And I can't see him being like, no, I don't want to do that. I just see it's probably a couple different variables that is keeping him away. But I hope he comes back sometime soon because I will be the first person to buy a picture with him. What do you guys think? Yeah. I watched the video and I there's like they're all shoving their things in the window and somebody like ends up like hitting Hits him, him. Yeah. him. Yeah, and something. And there's somebody, some voice, you know, someone goes, Who did that? Oh, come on, guys. Like, and I'm like, who did that? You did that. We all did yeah. that. You all did that. Like the, yeah. it's like there I I understand the scenario of like we're all trying to get this one thing, but like who would go who would go over the line? It's like you're all over the line. Everybody in this group shoving stuff through the window. Yeah, yeah. You get Tom Hanks to yell at you. You know, it's which they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think we'll see Mark Hamill at Celebration 2027 for a 50th anniversary of Star Wars. That's the next time you'll see him. Um, and it's Japan. Who turns down a trip to Japan? No, 2027. <laughs> oh, 27. Sorry, I thought you said 25. Yeah, the 50th anniversary of Star Wars. Um, I think will be a big one, and he'll be there for that, and hopefully George Lucas. Uh, but I don't think this has anything to do with fans. I agree. Uh, I think fans should stop buying autographs online. I think if we stop that, that gives them less power, and it makes them look for other ways to make cheap money. Um, I'm not saying don't buy autographs at celebrations where you get to stand next to somebody and you bought your autograph and you had your moment. Completely different. I think He's that's talking great. secondary market. I'm talking mm-hmm. going on eBay and buying something, a piece of paper somebody signed. Uh, I think if we as fans 
I don't know how we have a meeting about it, but if if we stop buying stuff from these guys online, uh, then they'll lose leverage and they'll lose the desire to want to do it. And that's the only way to stop it. Uh, so, I, but I don't think Mark Hamill sees that as fans. I think he knows better and understands who these people are. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. 100%. Yep. So we'll do one more question. So this is from Mike Ramori. Thank you, Mike. I see you in the chat. What's going on? He said, how will the writer strike affect Star Wars? Hashtag ask the resistance. John? Um, I, I, well, we just talked about Andor. So there is an aspect of that. I think they'll, like they did with the pandemic with Mandalorian. And I think they'll find ways to still make it work. Um, with any shows that have release dates. I still think, like James said before, Andor will hit its release date. I think they may have to get a little clever with how they do some post-production stuff because they may have to push filming later than they anticipated. Uh, but they have a lot of time with Andor. You know, they have a year to do post-production, which is great. Um, in terms of the other stuff, I'm not sure. It really comes down to how long this strike lasts. And I've been following it closely, yep. like Michael Jammin. Uh, has been blogging vlogging about it and it just sounds right now that it's ugly because it sounds like there was just no counter offer made by the studios so they're starting at like 0. 0.0 right now but eventually they're gonna have to do something um, because as more and more people who have big uh, stature like Star Wars and Tony Gilroy say oh nope we're gonna stand with them we're gonna shut this down uh, money talks and the studios are gonna have to say, yeah, we'll pay you what you deserve. And, you know, because a lot of these writers have very humble financial lives. So these aren't, you know, they're not living in Malibu. These are people who need this money to survive. And they, a lot of them need to live out there to be still a part of the mix. And it's very expensive to live out there. So I understand all that. So it, it comes down to how long this ha- lasts. If it lasts for a long time, it's going to impact Star Wars. No question about it. Because there's going to be pressure for Disney and Star Wars. And they always listen to this stuff to not cross the lines and to not continue producing stuff. So I, if it goes on for a long time, it will certainly impact Star Wars. Yep. Mike, that's my answer. It depends. Depends on how long it goes. That, that John just nailed it as far as like the timeline there. Um, right now, if it, if it ends tomorrow or a week from now, it won't affect Star Wars. If it keeps going for the next year, it's like, yeah, that's probably going to start affecting Star Wars. So... Um, at that point, it's it's how it affects Star Wars is going to be dependent on uh, how studios develop to not have uh, adapt to not having writers, you know, and I don't know what that means as far as like they move into this new era, you know, I mean, they're kind of fighting against AI and stuff. I, I'm not saying AI is going to write stuff, but I'm saying like whatever they do to adapt to a situation because they need to make money. That's how it's going to affect Star Wars. We don't really know what that is until it happens. So. That's that's where we're at right now. I'm going to give my answer, which is I think it should affect Star Wars. I don't think they should be making any Star Wars shows right now. I think they should support these people that are telling these stories, that are giving them the narratives to connect with audiences and to create these lasting tales. They shouldn't be making these stories. And if you know the presidents and CEOs of these big studios are making $240 million a year, then they should be able to pay these writers. They should be able to pay these people what they deserve and not just writers, visual effects people. All these different elements of the stories that we love, people should be paid what they're due, what they're owed. And the fact that this whole Tony Gilroy thing to begin with, 
started because he said he was still doing producing things and someone called him out and was like, you're supposed to stay on the picket line. Like you can't cross it. You, you're supposed to be a writer. You're supposed to be a part of this group and you're not doing that. And then he released a statement saying, oh, I'm not doing these things. And then Disney at the same time is releasing letters saying like, oh, if you are not a writer, you better follow through with what you're supposed to be doing uh, or you're going to get like, we don't care if you get fined, like all this other stuff. They didn't offer these writers anything. They literally said, tough luck. And you're talking about an age where millions and millions and millions of people are seeing these shows and no one's seeing a dime for the work that they've done. So my response to this question is Star Wars should be affected. Star Wars shouldn't be coming out when it's supposed to come out if the strike is still going because the people aren't getting what they're due. And I don't think I could enjoy these stories like the Duffer brothers came forward and said, look, we're not making Stranger Things until they finish this. That's a bold statement. And that's what everybody should be doing, including Lucasfilm, including Star Wars. And that's mm. how I say that's what I think. That's that's it. <laughs> that is it. my rant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will take us to the end of the show. Uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. If you joined us live or if you're listening on audio apps, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your uh, audio version of the podcast. We appreciate that. We're seeing a lot of growth on Spotify. So thank you to everybody who has found us over there. Uh, if you haven't yet, rate us on Apple, five stars. We'd appreciate that. It helps us be found in searches and same as Spotify. Uh, so thank you for that. And of course, thank you to everybody for getting us to the 2000 subscriber mark on YouTube. We know that's small potatoes for some channels <laughs> here, but uh, for us, um, we just started a few months ago with this new channel and we're really proud of it and we're uh, going to aim to grow that. So thank you to everybody for also subscribing to us over here on our channel. We appreciate that very much. And we couldn't do this stuff. Uh, you know, we all have kids, we have families, we have day jobs without the support of our patrons. It means a great deal to us. So uh, if you haven't and you're able to, head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and check out our tiers. We have a lot of great content over there, Discord servers, special events, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and it's also just uh, a way to support the pod um at all levels so uh go check that out and a special thank you to our generals and spice runners our generals carmelo john Reese, jetta rosewater frank grande darth hurricane nick kratz christian morales brian smith matt chitty danny mike ramori matt heath brendan mclaughlin count pepto sneaky zebra aaron ellington micah harrison colin cormier has aslam and jolton jedi dimaggio and our spice runners david Probst, neil shaw kendall gellner dave hornack thomas hennessy andrew staley jeremy myers and michael fry Thank you and all of our patrons for all of your support. Uh, we will be back on Monday uh, with a guest. We're going to be joined by one of the authors of Star Wars Timelines, our buddy Clayton Sandell, making his 47th appearance on the Resistance <laughs> broadcast. We're very excited to have him back. We're going to talk about what it's like making a Star Wars book, get into it, talk about it, nerd out, have fun. But... We hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. For me, Johnny Hoey on Twitter, and just like the movies, my movie podcast. Lacey, how about you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillern and on TikTok at It's Lacey Gillern. JB. Twitter and Instagram at Myra Trunks. All right, everyone, uh, have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning with another episode right here on TRB. We'll see you around, kids. 